God bless you. Thank you very much. Romans chapter 8. If you have never been a part of our Sunday night intercessory prayer service, you don't know what you're missing on a Sunday night. That's the highlight of our monthly schedule is this Sunday night. Tonight is the highlight of our schedule. Uh, God moves in a mighty way in our intercessory prayer services. We just come here and it's just a time, an opportunity, a place for you to talk to God. Uh, and uh, the, the unity, the unified prayer brings power and anointing that it brings is evident. And you will see that tonight. Romans chapter 8 and verse 18, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Whatever you're dealing with right now, however difficult or terrible and I in no way negate that or undervalue or underappreciate what you may be going through right now but what I can confidently stand before you today and say is the word of God says despite what you may be going through right now compared to what God has for you it cannot compare it's incomparable. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. What a promise. What a promise. Come on, they sing about it. He's a covenant-keeping God. I'm reading a covenant today that says whatever I'm going through, whatever I'm walking through, whatever I'm carrying right now will not compare to the glory that will be revealed in me. Let's pray together. We thank you for your word today, your anointed word. Touch the hearts and minds of your people today, Jesus. Have your perfect will and way, Lord. Whatever need may be present, God, I know that you have the answer for that need. Strengthen and touch in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Everyone say amen. I want to minister just for a little while tonight, uh, this morning on the sound of a sound decision. The sound of a sound decision. Greet someone before you see it and let them know you're glad to see them at church today. How many have ever spent money on something that you later realized that was not a good decision? I bought a Volkswagen Bug. And maybe I just end right there. That pretty much says it all right there. Point made. Thanks. Move on. No, it wasn't even it wasn't even that it was a Volkswagen bug, but for some reason, here I was. Father, you know, should have moved on in my life, but for some reason I thought it would be a good idea to buy a Volkswagen bug that was a hot rod. And this Volkswagen bug had an enormous exhaust pipe that stuck right out the back of this Volkswagen bug. And it had an engine in it that would just about lift it off the ground and send it into orbit. And I was instantly in love the moment they fired it up. 
I didn't even hear. The, it was a used car lot. I never heard a word he said because the engine was so loud. His mouth was just moving, but it, it didn't matter what he was saying. I was in love. And I got in that car, and I roared down the road. And then it wasn't long until I realized that was not a good decision. My neighbors hated me. I interrupted church when I pulled into the parking lot. Nobody could talk to me in the car. It was just, it was terrible. It was terrible. Now, it wasn't the only bad decision. I, through, my, through my years, I have I've made bad decisions relative to buying things I thought was a good idea that were not. But I felt better as I began to look up some of the top gambling, single gambling losses of all time. And when I read these, I instantly felt better about my Volkswagen bug. <laughs> Number five, Robert Maxwell lost $1.5 million in a single game of roulette. A genius he's not. Mattress King, anybody heard of Jim McInvale, the Mattress King? He owns 16 stores here in Fuquay. He lost $1.5 million at the 2022 Kentucky Derby. He lost $1.5 million on a horse. Carrie Packer, she upped the ante and lost $5 million in a 1987. Think about what $5 million was worth in 1987 at a horse race. Then the Mattress King's back at it. The Mattress King lost $9.5 million at the 2022 Super Bowl. He put $9.5 million in the hands of 22 men on the field. That's a bad decision. And then, to top it all off, number one single greatest loss, you guessed it, the Mattress King. He owns place four, two, and one. I'm paying way too much for mattresses, apparently. <laughs> he lost $13 million on the 2019 World Series. Now, I mean, in just quick math, that man has lost nearly $20 million in sporting events. That, that's a bad decision. And yet, somewhere this morning in our city... Someone is probably using grocery money to buy a lottery ticket with the odds of winning of about one in every 10,000 while their babies go hungry at home. Years ago, when internet poker was the rage, and now it's more sports internet gambling, back then it was literally just a roulette wheel on the screen, and I didn't get it, but... I worked with a man that would sit down at a computer and put his bank routing number in and literally throw his paycheck away while his wife worked two jobs trying to support his diabolical habit. I saw it firsthand. In 2023, 70, yes, 70 billion dollars will be spent for online gambling. 70 billion dollars that'll feed a few third world countries now as disgusting and devilish as this may seem this type of risk taking and gambling 
and betting could be more aptly described as petty crimes compared to the man or woman who gambles with the eternity of their soul and the souls of their children by refusing to commit to a God that cannot do anything else to prove to you that he loves you. To a God with undying, unimaginable, and unconditional love pleads with you today to surrender completely and wholeheartedly every part of you to him. My purpose this morning in ministering is to persuade and convince someone, the majority of people who sit in church, nonetheless, to move from the uncommitted, the uninterested, the indifferent center aisle that says it costs too much, the price is too high, it's too difficult to sell out to God, there's too many rules, too many regulations, that's a life that I can't live, I I like seeing too much, I like doing what I want to do too much, I I like having my own freedom, I I pray today that through the word of God you understand what kind of risk that you are taking, I pray that through the word of God you understand that despite what you may think is a good deal, a good bargain, but playing with your soul is not something that you should be doing. I pray today that you understand and see that one beautiful happy day, it's going to be worth it all. (laughs) We need to sing that again. That's a good song. Every heartache, every trial, every long mile, it's going to be worth it all. I like to sing that occasionally because the devil tries to tell me that whatever I'm going through down here is too tough. I need to throw in the towel. I need to give up. I need to do something else because living for God is too hard. It's too difficult. There's too much opposition and too much adversarial spirits that combat me. I need to be reminded what the Word of God says uh, that regardless of what I go through down here, it cannot compare uh, to the glory uh, that awaits me. uh, That no matter what I go through, no matter what I face, no matter matter the burden I have to carry one day it will be worth it all I am praying today that someone stops asking the question how close can I sail this vessel to the jagged cliffs of sin when you begin to understand the risk that you are taking I'm not interested in playing the odds with the eternity with my family I'm not willing to to risk it for the souls of my children or those that follow me or those that that watch me, those that even that I may not be aware of that are watching my life. I I know that that risk is not something I'm willing to take. I'm not willing to bet my soul or the soul of my family for anything. Why? Because there's not a reset. There's not a reboot. There's not a rewind button on this life. My brother and I, when we would play video games growing up, one of us would start losing the game. You know how this game goes. We would act like we were stumbling and we'd hit the reset button. Oh, I fell out of my chair. Oh, I just cut the power off. Don't you wish we could reset life sometimes? Don't you wish we could go back a few years and change a few things? But the reality of it is we got one life to get this right. 
We got just a few years to make sure that we make important what should be important and what is unimportant we should make unimportant. And there is nothing more important than the salvation of your soul and the salvation of your children's soul and the salvation of those that are in the sphere of your influence. Make it count. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13 says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. He calls it the prize of God in Christ Jesus. I believe today... I felt this in the Holy Ghost earlier today. I really believe this. I'm, I know it with every fiber in my being. There are some here this morning that I am preaching to that are refusing to let go of some things that will cost them the prize. There are some things that you are refusing to let go of. He said, I count not myself to have apprehended this one thing, but I forget those things which are behind. I let them go. I release them. Now, not all of those things are bad. Not all of those things are, are despicable and disgusting, and you're glad to get rid of them. Believe it or not, sin is pleasurable for a season. And if you're in that season and I'm preaching to you today, maybe I'm asking you to give up something that you have not gotten sick of yet. Maybe you don't see any wrong in it. Maybe it hasn't cost you anything yet. Maybe you feel like you can continue doing this and live for God. What I'm telling you, if it's going to cost you the prize, if it's going to cost you the glory which should be revealed in you, if it's going to cost you the streets of gold, the gates of pearl, and the walls of jasper, brother, it ain't worth it. It's time to let it go. It's time to release it. It's time to lay it down. Make serving God the most important thing in your life. Believe me when I tell you, one day it's going to be worth it all. <laughs> one day it's going to be worth it all. I don't know if there's ever a truer statement that I've ever said behind this desk. One day you'll remember this. Pastor said it was going to be worth it all. And as I'm looking around heaven, man, that was the, end, uh, that was the understatement of his life. I cannot proper, properly with uh, the King's English describe to you how wonderful heaven's going to be. But I can tell you it's going to be worth it all. It'll be worth it all. The man, Noah, undoubtedly encountered very similar sentiments when God commanded him to begin constructing the ark. For over a hundred years, Noah, day in and day out. How many of you are sick of your job at times? <laughs> Man, I mean, like, I'm done with my job, and I ain't lived, I ain't, well, I live there sometimes. I, I ain't worked there 5, 10, 15 years. I'm done with it. How would you like to work on the same job 100 years? 100 years. 100 years he worked on this same job. Day in, day out, he worked with his family. How would you like to work with your family for 100 years? <laughs> Under the scorching sun... When Noah was celebrating his 575th birthday, he had to begin wondering, is it really going to be worth it? When he woke up in the morning, 
and his muscles ached, and his bones creaked. That's what working a hundred years will do for you right there. <laughs> That's what working one week will do for you. He had to wonder, is it really going to be worth it? As his peers and his neighbors laughed and scorned at him, as they run off to do what they wanted to do for the day, as they had big plans for recreation, they had big plans for picnics, and they would run off, and he could see them going off in the distance and laughing at him as he knew they were going to do something that was fun and enjoyable, and he would reach for his tools again in his well-worn, calloused hands. He had to wonder, is it going to be worth it? Is it going to be worth it? Aren't you being radical? Aren't you being over the top? Can't you take a few days off? Can't you lay those tools down for a little while? Noah had to wonder in that moment, will it be worth it? When Noah thought about the fact, as he lay down at night and stared up at the stars and reminded himself that God had only told him to build the ark one time in a hundred years. One time. Wives, well, how many times do you have to tell your husband to take out the trash? One time, God told him in a hundred years, those of you that own businesses here, I've talked to you and you've told me, I tell that employee to do the same thing over and over and over and over again, and they still don't know what to do. God told Noah one time in a hundred years to build the ark. As he stared up at the stars, he had to ask himself, did God really say that? Did, did, did I really hear that? Was God really speaking to me in that moment? Was it my imagination? Is that really what God wants me to do? Would God really destroy the earth? A loving God? Would he really bring judgment on this earth? Would God really destroy me and my family? These are all questions that had to be going through the mind of Noah every day. When Ham, Sham, and Japheth, Noah's boys, would come to him and say, all of the other kids are going out to play. Can't we just skip working on the ark today? He had to wonder. He had to wonder. As he stepped around rows and rows of every kind of tree looking for gopher wood, he had to wonder. As he went about the undesirable, smelly job of taking animals in the ark. Being kicked, stepped on, <laughs> ignored. I don't know if he had to take bulldogs up in that ark, but if he did, <laughs> they just don't listen. I mean, I can stand on the back porch and holler at that dumb English bulldog, and he'll look at me like he, I don't even exist. If he had to take English bulldogs into the, that ark, I'm telling you right now, that's a good man. Think about it. But of all the animals, he had to load them up. All of the mess of that, all of the coordination of that, he had to wonder, my Lord, the aggravation, is it, is it worth it? Is it really going to be worth it at all? As the crowds taunted his family and he endured the embarrassment of their fathers, Ham, Sham, and Japheth had to wonder about the conviction of their father. 
The fact that Noah was prophesying about an event that nobody had ever even heard about had to make him wonder. How many families sat around the dinner table and said, I don't have time to help Noah with that ark? His ways are outdated and antiquated and out of touch. I've got other things I need to do. Today's a busy day. I'd love to go by and help Noah. He's a good man, and I appreciate what he's doing, and I'm sure that he's, uh, you know, he's passionate about that, but I got other things I need to do today. I got a busy schedule, preacher. I mean, Noah. I've got other things I can do. How many came by and watched and maybe even occasionally handed him a board or listened to one of his sermons, but they could not bring themselves to commit to the cause. Maybe they came to church occasionally. Maybe they sat on a stump and watched him work, and they appreciated his conviction, and they certainly appreciated the conviction of his family, but they just could not get involved. They could not get in the middle of what, was do what he was doing. They could not commit wholeheartedly to the cause. And then the fateful day arrived. Genesis chapter 7 and verse 1. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thee out and all thy house into the ark. For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Now I want to just get you to use your imagination a little bit this morning. I'm going to play story time here a moment. Close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to think about being inside that ark and hearing this for the first time. The door shuts. You've been laughed at. You've been mocked for a hundred years. People have been making fun of you. They've been telling you that you're too radical, that you've been too committed you're missing out on all the best things of life. And then all of a sudden, as you're in that ark and the door shuts, you start hearing this. And over the roar of the rain and the thunder, you can distinctly and very faintly hear the sound of people beating on the door. You can hear the cries of people as they're screaming for you to open the door. People that once mocked you. People that once made fun of you. People that thought you were crazy. People that thought you had lost your mind. Now, they would give anything to be where you are at right now. They would give anything to have that chance again to be a part of what you're doing. I can't help but believe, brothers and sisters, as the rain began to pelt down upon that ark, the children of Noah who once questioned and wondered whether my dad had lost his mind or, the, or what he was preaching or what he was standing for really mattered. I can't help but believe they jumped up and throwed their arms around that man and they say, Dad, I want to thank you for every sermon. I want to thank you for the commitment. I want to thank you for what you're building because you saved our life. 
Can I tell you today, the sound of that rain, you can look at me now, was the sound of a sound decision. It was the best decision that they had ever made. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you, the devil will tell you that coming to church three times a week is too much. The devil will try to tell you that living God, living for God, living holy, living righteous, living according to God's word, he'll tell you that is too much. Hollywood will tell you that you're too radical. The world will tell you you're giving too much. But there's coming a day when the trumpet will sound and there will be a sound of a sound decision and you will thank God for every sermon, every song, every service, every altar call, every time you did what was difficult but it was in the word of God. Thank God. And in that moment, he knew without a shadow of a doubt that it was worth it all. Do you think Noah was complaining about the calluses on his hands as he heard the rain beating down on the roof of that ark? Do you think he was griping about the sun? Do you think he was complaining about all of the hard work? Not for a minute. I promise you, you're not going to get to heaven and think, man, I got here, but I had to pray a bunch. I got here, but that preacher wanted me at church three times a week. I got here, but I didn't get to drink all the time. I didn't get to do what I wanted to do. And there were times I didn't get to go hang out with my friends. I didn't get to go do what I wanted to do. And and I guess it's worth it. You'll never hear that out of anybody. I promise you when they get there, there won't be one thing they're complaining about. I don't regret anything that I've done. The only thing I regret is I didn't come to God sooner. I didn't give more. I didn't commit myself even more. I promise you it's going to be worth it. Every mile, every prayer, every commitment, everything you walk away from everything you lay down every decision you make to serve God it will be worth it all how long did they wait the Bible doesn't say might have been hours it might have been days but right when Noah thought this might be a mistake (laughs) the Bible says there's coming a day When the people of God will pray, and we aren't there. We think we're there, but we're not. The Bible said there will come a day when the church will pray, Lord, come quickly. Come quickly. I believe that as Noah sat there and the door shut, and I don't know how long, like I said, he was there, but I promise you it must have seemed like eternity when he was like, all right, Lord, here we are. I'm either going to be the greatest hero this family has ever seen, or I'm going to be the laughing stock of generations. And then he began to hear it. At that moment, he knew without a shadow of a doubt, it was worth it. He now realized that every bead of sweat, every hard, difficult day, every time he's told his children, we don't do that, we're not going there, we're not going to be a part of that because we are building for something that's going to be here and going to take us to salvation and to carry us to, to glory and going to carry and protect us. We're, ma- we're doing something that matters here. For 40 days and nights, every raindrop that hit that roof of the ark was a ringing reminder that God's word is true. Every clap of thunder reminded Noah how grateful he was for God saving his family. 
How many times do you think Noah's kids and grandkids said thank you? <laughs> How many times did Noah's wife tell him thank you for not giving up? Thanked him for not doing what was easy, but doing what was right. For obeying the word of God. For not taking shortcuts with their salvation. For not gambling with their lives. I would imagine as they floated out there, they were also thankful they didn't take shortcuts in building the ark. <laughs> well, I'm sure glad, Dad, you insisted on that gopher wood. I know, I know you remember that day I brought you that old gnarled up piece of wood I tried to get you to use because I didn't want to go get the kind I needed to get. Man, you throwed it to the side. I remember how mad I was. I had to go out and get what you told me to get. But now, as I'm here floating on top of the water, I'm thanking God that you did what was right and you made me do what was right because it ended up being for my salvation. Come on, I want to tell our young people, I want to tell those in your family, if you got a priest in your home, if you got somebody that's saying, hey, going to church is not an option. Doing what is right is not an option. Don't get mad at them. There's coming a day that is your family is floating on top of all that is going on in this world, and God carries you to glory. You'll be thankful that they made that decision. I remember as a young man, Wanting to go and do things that my dad said, no, we're not going to do that. It's church time. Right? I remember thinking, it's always church time. You know, when you're 7, 8, 10, 11, it feels like you have church 14 times a week. And then I got a little older. And the devil squared up on me. And I realized, I'm sure glad dad made me go to church 14 times a week. Because he built something. He built it in me. He taught me how to build something. And so that when the waters of, of immorality would rise and things in my life would get to a point I felt like I was drowning. I knew how to build an ark. I knew how to go into a prayer room and start putting some things together. I knew how to get down on my knees and talk to God and rise above what was going on in my life. Don't get mad at the person in your life that's trying to help you build something. Don't get upset at me because I'm trying to tell you the Word of God will help you build something. It'll help you rise above the immorality. I know the world is going a different direction but I'm telling you there's coming a day when they'll beat on the door of the ark and they'll pray to God that they got what you got right now. Right. Right. I preach to those who reside in the middle, saint and sinner alike, and I beg you not to gamble with your soul. Do not walk the tightrope of compromise. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. And one day you'll find that out. Right? That sound of the trumpet, those missing loved ones, the headlines, you will then know that will be the sound of rain on your roof. And you'll know compromise was not worth it. Straddling the fence was not worth it. Hebrews 12 and 1, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so doth easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The NIV says this, Let us lay aside things that entangle us. 
that entangle us? Are you entangled in something? Are you tied up and twisted and tangled up in something that may not be blatantly immoral, but you know it ain't getting you to the prize? The Word of God says, lay those down. You will never regret disposing of weights and entanglements because one day it'll be worth it all. One day you'll realize your friend is the rain and not the sun. One day you'll realize sin is your enemy and not the church. One day you'll realize that church is not a hobby or a social club. It's a way of life. One day you'll realize that prayer is not optional. It is imperative. One day you'll realize that the Bible was right and the Bible was relevant in every single verse. One day you'll realize as the rain beats down on your roof that the world is temporal. One day as the thunder claps at the end of your time, you will realize the altar is your best friend and not something to be avoided. One day you will realize that not one second in God's house needs to be wasted. <laughs> it's a short amount of time that we spend in this house. And every single moment that you're hearing the Word of God, every single moment that you're hearing the hymnals and songs that we're singing, you need to soak it in. You need to bring it all in because that's what you're building. That's building materials. You're gathering things, and you're building a life and a relationship with God that will one day carry you to glory. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 20. Notice what the Word of God says. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 20. All right. I got a Bible. I give you guys a chance. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 20. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of this world. Someone say Pollutions. Pollutions is not something you walk out and just kill over with. You don't walk out there and go, ah, pollution. It's something that you breathe in every day. It becomes a normal thing. If you've ever been at a high place, I know when I go to the mountains in Colorado, and you look down over these, these cities, you can see the smog just hovering over these cities. But when you're in it, you don't even realize you're breathing it in. It's like no big deal. It's not until you get into that clear, fresh air that you can see the distinguishable difference. The Bible says that you escape the pollutions of this world. These are things that are not going to instantly take you to hell, but they are certainly not helping you. They are not things that are grossly immoral, but they are things that are, are, are hurting and hindering the environment that you are trying to create in your relationship with God through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior and Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians. Thanks be to God. We'll read that in a minute. These pollutions. And so it's important that you understand that none of these pollutions, none of these things in your life, weight, sin, Pollutions, none of them are worth your salvation. None of them are worth your soul. Most ladies, as they become pregnant, 
about three or four months in, especially in the summertime, they say, oh, I'll never do this again. I am done. This is your one and only. How many ladies after your first one said, this is it right here, I'm done. I'm done. I am finished. All the pain of labor and can't fit in your clothes, a lack of sleep. This is the last one. And then the infant cries and pierces the room. And you hear that baby cry, and they lay that little baby down, and you hold it for the first time. <laughs> and in that moment, you forget about all the pain. You forget all the, the, the things that you had to go through to get there. And in that moment, now you remember again when they get turned two. <laughs> but in that moment, <laughs> in that moment, that's what heaven's going to be like. As we step through those pearly gates, as we see Jesus face to face, as we hear the sound of that heavenly choir, <laughs> as we feel heaven's environment, as we feel the weight of disease and sin and anxiety and worry and dread, as we feel that fall to never be picked up again, in that moment, in that instant, we'll know it was worth it all. It was worth every long mile, every heartache, every trial, every trial. It will not require a lot of imagination to think about how many times you in a lifetime will have to suffer the attack of the enemy when your body is weary or sin tempts you or flesh screams for you to give up. It's not worth the fight. How many times have you told yourself, I wonder if it's really worth it. I wonder if everything I'm doing is really going to pay off one day. I wonder if, if what I'm going through and what I'm experiencing, this trial, because I'm going to tell you, I'm not the only one. The devil says, you know what? It'd be a whole lot easier just to not live for God. It'd be a whole lot easier just not to go to church and lay in bed on Sunday and do what I want to do. Feels like it'd be a whole lot easier. And there is the temptation to watch somebody else. There's the temptation to board the boat late. One day I'll get right. One day I'll, I'll get on the ark. One day I'll make it right with God. And one day does not arrive. Because the enemy is, he's a professional procrastinator. And he'll, he'll help you push that off until the last possible moment. But brothers, I want to tell you. If you'll begin investing right now, if you'll begin making your relationship with God the top priority right now, to the ones that I'm preaching to even here this morning who could be viewed as kind of middle of the road. Pastor, I, I'm still trying to make up my mind whether I want to sell out to God or not. I'm still trying to determine whether I really want to do this thing or not. 1 Corinthians says, chapter 15, verse 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed, all of us. And in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound.
and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible, this temporal, this mortal must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible hath put on incorruption and this mortal shall put on immortality, there shall be brought to pass the saying, it is written, death is swallowed up in victory. And then I will be able to say, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which give us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast, knowing this, being aware of this, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Oh, I don't know how many times Noah had to remind his boys, I know it's tough, I know it's hot, I know there's a lot of people that don't understand what you're doing. But boys, I'm going to tell you something, your labor is not in vain. You're not wasting your time. It's going to be worth it all. Stand with me, heads bowed and eyes closed if you would. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been asking the question of whether living for God with everything and selling completely out to Him and laying down everything that doesn't help you in your relationship with God. Maybe you've asked yourself on a number of occasions whether it's really worth it. Whether it's really going to be worth it, can I assure you that heaven's going to be worth it all? The Bible likens the coming of the Lord like the days of Noah. Noah didn't put on the schedule when they were going to climb into that ark. He just preached it every day and, and God said, get in the ark, and he got in the ark, but there's no doubt in my mind that there were people because I know human nature. There were people that thought, well, when he's just about done or if I see some clouds in the sky or if I, I see something that's unusual, I'll just wait until World War III breaks out or I'll just wait until I know the Lord's about to come back and then I'll, I'll get right. That is a risk and a gamble of epic proportions, brothers and sisters. That is a risk with the most valuable treasure, as I mentioned last week, that you own. Don't risk it. Sell out to God right now. Whether it's pollution, entanglement, weight, or sin, I challenge you today to lay it at an altar. Because there is coming a moment in your not-so-distant future when you will hear the sound of that trumpet. And when you hear that sound, you in that moment 
will instantly know, thank God. Thank God I didn't give up. Thank God I didn't walk away. Thank God I didn't turn around. Thank God I didn't turn my back on God. Thank God I held true. You will hear the sound of that sound decision in that moment. They're going to begin to sing. And I'm going to open these altars up for anybody that says, Pastor, I've been carrying some weights. I've been entangled in a few things that's taken my eyes off of the prize. I open these altars up to you today. To someone who's bold enough to say, Pastor, there were some things that I've, I've allowed pollutions in my life. I've, I've allowed things to convolute my thinking and my priorities. Walk down to this altar. Lift your hands and say, God, purify my heart. Purify my mind. Purify my spirit. For now, I'm going to have to walk through trials. For now, I'm going to have to endure disease and sickness and death. But it's going to be worth it all. partially I challenge you to sell out right now come on let the tears of commitment flow let the tears of consecration flow it's going to be worth it all it's going to be worth it all